Look into the perfect law of God, the perfect law of liberty. It says that we're transformed. Don't you reckon that's a good thing? How many people think the person sitting next to them could do to be transformed? Oh, no one's brave this morning. How many people reckon that you need to be transformed? Come on, we're transformed as we look into the Word of God. We're transformed from glory to glory. Don't you reckon that's cool? I reckon that's amazing. I reckon for me, that's one of the most encouraging things in the Bible. When God looks at you, He already sees you as glorious. He doesn't want to transform you from rubbish to glorious. He transforms you from glory to glory. Because from before the the creation of the world, God's already been at work in your life. His glory is already at work, and He's wanting to move you from one glory to the next glory. How many of you reckon that's a good thing? I reckon that's a good thing. You know, we're pretty much, we're near the start of the year, aren't we? How many people are just actually, how many people are uh, fully into the year? You're fully into it. You're running a show of hands fully into it. How many people are still winding up? Still winding up. Amanda Sager, I reckon she's fully into it. The kids haven't even arrived at school yet, Amanda. Wait. just oh, They have. In the private schools, they start three weeks early. That's why they're all so smart. How many people, how many people are still winding up into the year? Do you know, I, I really reckon this morning, and I'm declaring it over your life and over my life, that we have a bright future. How many people know that's true? We have a bright future. You know, I've read, I've read the Bible. I haven't read the whole thing, but I skipped to the end and read the last bit. How many of you, that's what you need to do sometimes you, when you're reading the Bible, when you get to too many so-and-so begat so-and-so, just skip to the end and read the last bit. And the last bit, it just says in Revelation chapter 21, that we have a bright future, that the bride of Christ, the church of God, the plan of God comes to fulfillment in a city that's perfectly formed and beautifully decorated. And we know that there's the, some of the pictures are these streets of gold and these gates of pearls. That's the picture of the church in its finished form. Don't you reckon that's a good thing? That's a picture of you. You are the bride of Christ individually. You're part of that picture. Collectively with every other Christian, we make up this plan of God that God's working through all humanity and He's going to figure it out all in the end. Right? So wherever you're at right now this morning or wherever your life's at in 2016, please understand that you have a bright future, whether you believe it or not. In fact, I want to declare it to you, particularly those of you who don't believe it, I want to tell you in my loud voice, you have a bright future. It actually doesn't matter what you believe. There is a bright plan for your future. And all you need to do is see it and you'll begin to move towards it. Do you know, the way vision works, it works the same for everyone in all of humanity. You will always move inexorably. (laughs) I was building up to that word all morning. What's that easy way of saying inexorably? Unswervingly. You will always move unswervingly and still you always move steadily to whatever you truly believe about yourself on the inside. That's what your life is now. It's been a steady progression of you moving towards what you see on the inside. In the eye of your heart, you have a vision for your future. That's why people who say, I'll never amount to anything, never amount to anything. That's why people who say, I'll always struggle financially, always struggle financially. That's why people who say, I'll never get a job. Do you know what? They'll never get a job because that's the picture that somehow life has painted for them on the inside. But the joy of following Jesus is found in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 that says that we are recreated in Christ Jesus. That means He repaints the picture of our life. 
He repaints it. It actually doesn't matter what the devil did in your life. It doesn't matter what your parents said. It doesn't matter what you come from. God takes all of those things and he repaints them. He even works some of those bad bits of the painting into this glorious masterpiece, refashioning. You know, come on, all of those things that have gone wrong, what do they say to you? What are they speaking to you? Because whatever that thing you have on the inside of yourself, that view of yourself, that's what you're moving towards. So just say this, I have, say it in your loud voice, I have a bright future. Okay, say it like a soldier, I have, say it like an actual soldier, I have, say it like a masculine male soldier, I have, very good, a bright future. I think we should do that more, it's not quite loud enough. I have a bright future, and we should... Live bold. If we have a bright future, we should live bold. If we, if we start our prayer, if all Christians around the world, we start our prayer, our famous prayer, our, our prayer life even, the shape of our prayer starts like this. Our Father, if He's your dad, if the God who created the heavens and the earth, if every time we pray we're going to start like that, our Father, it's all words unless we also live bold. Come on, that's just words unless we say, he's our father, therefore we have a bright future, and then we can move forward confidently without fear. Now, some people are looking at me like this. I actually believe this to be true. This is the truth. The truth is God is your father. He's a father who loves you. He's a father whom you can trust. He's a father who has a good plan for you. Do you know what? This is what they're learning down in the Boom program. Mike Davies telling them the same thing. God's got a good plan for you. We're still telling you now because you didn't pay attention in Sunday school. Right? You, you have a bad plan for you. Leave that to the one side. Get a hold of God's good plan for you and step into what is Ephesians 2.10. Most amazing word in, the, in this verse that says that we are his masterpiece. Don't you reckon that's crazy? You know, an artist, a famous artist, uh, Michelangelo, he worked for, you know, his whole working career, painting, sculpting, designing. Uh, and, and there's thousands and thousands of pages of his, of his, of his journal work and there's, there's drafts that he did and there's, there's paintings he did and there's sculptures he did. But there's only two or three things that are his masterpiece. And if you think about God, our creator, of all of the things that he created, sunsets, mountains, Oceans, planets, and planetary systems, the 400 million galaxies with each around about 800 million stars. Of all of that, what does he point to as his masterpiece? You? This little group here at Equipus Wellington? Look at all the stars, but look at those guys praising and worshiping. Look at those guys who have allowed the Holy Spirit to repaint on the inside of their life a story of redemption, a picture of God's true story. I reckon that's something to be excited about this morning. Do you know, in 2016, you could get real busy. How many people know what busy means? If you don't have children, put your hands down. Right? How many people know what busy means? Like we all know. Do you know, everyone's always busy because you always got more on than you had last week. You've always got more going on, so you're always in this learning space of trying to figure out how do I do life now, right? And people who have three children laugh at people who have one child, 
<laughs> right? Because it's always, it's always a bit of a step up where you have to grow in your capacity. In 2016, you could get real busy or you could get really purposeful. Because you can allow all of the stuff that's going to come at you this year just to make you busy. Or you could really sit down and spend some time across February as we're fasting to tune in and hear, come on, what is the purpose of my life? If you can't answer this question, what on earth am I here for? You're always going to just wander around being busy. If you don't know what you're on earth for, maybe you need to spend some time on it. If you don't, you need to spend some time tuning into God. Maybe you haven't spent some time tuning to God for a while. Come on, maybe you used to know what on earth you were here for, but now you're like, what on earth am I here for? Come on, there's a role that you have to play in changing the world. God's got that for you. Is that all right? Let's have a look at Isaiah 60, verse 19. I'll see if I can find it quickly in my Bible here, but Maddie's going to throw it on the screen as well. Whoever gets the, if, if Maddie's first, I'll read it on the screen, but I can't check the screen while I'm looking in the scripture. This, oh, this is, these are the challenges of my job. You think you have a hard life. Isaiah 60. Cool. This is the prophetic word for us as equippers churches. Uh, verse 19, it says, No longer will you need to say, need the sun to shine by day, nor will you need the moon to give its light by night, for the Lord your God will be your everlasting light. Isn't that cool? And your God will be your glory. So we don't, need, we don't need natural things to illuminate. It's the Spirit of God that is the light among us. The next verse goes on and says, Your sun will never set. That's a great day, isn't it? Surfing, barbecue, well, more surfing. The sun will never set and the moon will not go down for the Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end. And that's a promise, I think, for people here. Come on. The days of sorrow, the days of mourning do come to an end. Verse 21, all of your people will be righteous. Isn't that good? How many people would like all of the people to be righteous? I sometimes look into my own heart and think, I wish all the people would be righteous. Or I wish all the Jordans would be righteous because the church Jordan is righteous, but the other Jordans aren't always, right? And I, I know that the church Emma is righteous and the church Mark is righteous, but I also know that the other, you know, sometimes the Facebook Mark is not as righteous as the church Mark, right? Right? How many people know what I'm talking about? Because it's true for all of us, but all of us will be righteous and that will possess the land forever. The land is the space God's allotted for you. You'll, you'll be in your space forever. And God's going to plant us with his own hands in order to bring himself glory. Moving on. It says the smallest family, there's a prophecy for you, Patti, I believe. The smallest family will become a thousand people. The smallest family will become a thousand people, and the tiniest group will become a mighty nation, right? At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Do you know, there's two reasons we moved uh, from our Web Street building to this one here. Number one reason we moved here, it was because it's bigger. Because we believe part of being the church is that we grow. And I really believe in 2016 that we want to get bigger as a church, we would like more, more of your friends and family to come to know Jesus and to find our discipleship connection here at Equipers of Church in Wellington, that this would be the place that God would choose to position them for them to grow and then step into everything God's got for them. My dream is that more and more of us would gather on a Sunday morning here, that we'd be able to take the black curtain down from the back because then we could use it in the foyer, make the foyer look cooler. Uh, then we'd, uh, one day, hopefully, we have to repair all the chairs in the balcony so that Jono's vision from assembly when he was here at high school of this place full 
full of people praising God, that that would come true, right? That's our prayer. You know, but we don't want to just become bigger. Because it doesn't just say become bigger. It says the, the smallest family will become a 1,000 people, right? That's bigger. That's multiplication. But then it says the tiniest. So you've got this small family becoming many, many, but then you've got this tiny group becoming a mighty nation. We don't want to just become bigger. We also want to become stronger. Do you know, we actually need to be stronger. You need to be a stronger Christian than you are right now. Between now and the end of 2016, it's my job to preach at you, to organize things and encourage you. It's my job to push you at the Holy Spirit so that He would provoke you, so that you become a stronger person between now and the end of this year. A stronger follower, someone with greater faith, someone with greater expectations, someone with deeper wisdom, someone with a greater revelation of the love of God. That's my prayer for you. We don't want to just be lots and lots of people who know nothing about following Jesus. Do we? Or we don't want to be lots and lots of people who know nothing about each other. Or lots and lots of people who just sing songs and clap their hands and then go off to normal lives. We want to be strong followers of Christ. And we want to be a large group of strong followers of Christ. One thing we say about equippers right across the world, one thing, we want to be a small church with many hundreds of people. Right? So that we're strong together. We're strong and we're small and we're powerful, but with many, many, many of us. How many people reckon that's awesome? Now, one of the principles you learn about uh, if you do any sort of leadership training uh, or if you read books much uh, or if you come to church and you sit here today, then you learn about this one, right? Is a principle called the Pareto Principle, right? It's named after uh, like an Italian uh, guy who sort of discovered this principle operating within human organizational structures particularly, right? And it's, um, it's, it's simply known as the 80-20 rule, which means that from 80% of any effect, 80% of any outcome, both positive and negative, is caused by 20% of the cause. So 20% cause produces 80% effect, right? So if we think about it, I've already mentioned this already when I was talking about money, 20% of the people give all the money. And then 80% of the people give a little bit of the money. 20% of the people in any human organization do 80% of the work, right? So, for, for instance, in an extended family, if, there's a, uh, if, there's a, if you're organizing a family reunion, 20% of the people will do 80% of the work, right? There's that auntie or there's that uncle or there's the people that we all rely on and then there's people like me, right, who are happy to eat the food, right? But it's, the, it's called the 80-20 20, 20, rule, right? If you, do, if, if you do a sales job, if you're working in sales, what they'll get you to do regularly is to line up all of your clients and identify who are the top 20% where you're getting 80% of your sales from. And then uh, lots of people will tell you just to ignore everybody else. Don't bother ringing any of those other clients because they're not important because they're not in that 20%. The 20% is what matters. This is the Pareto principle, right? Um, but I want, to, I want us to have a look at Acts chapter 2. So bear that in mind, the Pareto Principle, 80-20. And have a, let's have a look at Acts chapter 2. And um, Acts chapter 2, we're going to throw it up on uh, in a, a bunch of verses from here in a minute. But Acts chapter 2 is about the birth of the church. It begins with the pouring, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? And then uh, Peter gets up and preaches a, a, a message, right? 3,000 people respond to Jesus. 
This is the first day of church, right, in the history of the world. 3,000 people respond. And then it says they're all baptized and they all begin following God, right? And then it says they continued daily gathering together in the temple court. So that's like this, gathering together to praise and worship. And then they would also meet house to house on a daily basis, breaking bread, fellowshipping, praying, and listening to the apostles' teaching. Right, and it says many, many were added to the the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right, and this momentum revival happens so that in just a few short years, leaders from this this movement are traveling all over the known world, and actually within one generation they had traveled to the actual outer limits of their then world. They got to the edge of their, their map. People like Thomas has gone as far as India. People think people have got to the United Kingdom, up into Northern Europe, pushing down into Africa, right around the then map of the world, and within their sphere of the world. They got all across it in one generation because of what God was doing and what God did on this one day in Acts chapter 2, right? Have a look at these verses. And one of the things that uh, Bible teachers will tell you is you've got to look out for repeated words. And I think this is the New King James Version we're looking for to, to spot these words. Uh, and, and the word I want you to look at, let me, I'm going to turn it up here. Acts chapter 2. Here we go. Uh, it says this. Uh, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, this is verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit pours out. Have a, let's have a look at verse 4. And it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Right? That was verse 4. Let's jump across to verse 7. See if you can spot the word. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, these are these not those who the, are these are not those who speak all from Galilee, right? Uh, we're on to verse 12 now. Have a look at verse 12. It says, So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And then verse 36, did we do 17? Now 17, and uh, this is the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says the Lord, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, right? Jump into verse 36, it's a wee way down now. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus Christ, whom he crucified, to be both Lord and Christ. Verse 39, you ready for it? For the promise is to you and to your children and to who? To all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God would call. Verse 44, now all who believed were gathered together and they had all things in common. It's not some gathered and they gave some. They all gathered and they gave it their all. Don't you reckon that's a different sort of a, that's a powerful sort of thing? Can you see there's actually a picture here all around this one three-letter word? Verse 45, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Isn't that awesome? I wonder what, what church would be like if we could turn the Pareto principle on its head. And instead of being an 80-20 church, we were just an all 
church. Instead of being 80-20 workers in your workplace, you could be an all worker. Maybe we can, instead of being 80-20 husbands and wives, we could be 100% in what we do. Maybe that's idealistic, but I think if we're going to have a vision, let's have a big one. If we're going to believe God to do something in us, let's believe for a miracle. And I'm believing for a church where instead of 80% of the effect coming from 20% of the people, what it would be like if 80% of people got involved. What would it be like if 80% of people were giving and 80% of people were serving and 80% of people were in an e-group and 80% of people were in an e-team and 80% of people were out on mission and 80% of people knew exactly what their purpose was rather than just a few. Now, this morning we're celebrating Jono stepping into a clearer understanding of what his purpose is, but I'm celebrating because I know that we are a church where we are committed to equipping you for life. Through faith in Jesus Christ. We've got an arrow in our logo. It's not like, it's not for packaging so you know which way the t-shirt goes up. It's not because our hosting team is slow and they need an arrow so they know which way, you know. Well, I've got my t-shirt upside down again. No, the arrow is simply about the fact that we believe every person is an arrow in the, in the quiver of God. We don't believe in pastors. We believe in the people of God, called by God, equipped in the church to make an impact in the world. I reckon that's what is something to be excited about. Now, we've got, uh, you know, at Equipus Churches, we do have a ridiculous vision. We're believing that, that, that sometime in this year or next year, we'll, we'll see a Sunday, we'll see Sundays regularly where there's 10,000 people in church in New Zealand. We're adding, in February, adding our 16th location in, in, in Nelson, Equipus Church in Nelson. And there's a church there already, but they're replanting, renaming, and reaching out again, with a new vision. I think that's exciting, don't you reckon? Uh, there's Equippers Church in the Philippines in four years has gone from two couples to 600 people every single Sunday. And, and roughly 80% of the people in that church have been saved in that last four-year period. Have, have a look at Equippers Manila's Facebook page and the photos of their baptism services. When he'd been there for a month or two, there was 40 people getting baptized. Now, I'm excited about that because if it can happen there, then it can happen here. I know that guy. I can ask him to pray for me. I can believe for God to do in Wellington what he did in Manila. That's exciting, isn't it? But there's plans underfoot for equippers in Calcutta, which is starting really, really soon. Uh, there's a, a minister from, uh, from Rome in Italy. He's a pastor already, but he's not, he's not leading a church at the moment. He's coming to Bible College, to Auckland, the Auckland Church for six months to learn about equippers, to connect with people, and to go back and to plant equippers church in Rome. Isn't that cool? There's someone planning and praying towards a Quipper Church in San Francisco. There's a couple who are leading and believing to see a church established in Rio de Janeiro. They've lived there for two years already. They've spent nearly all their money to make it happen. They're out there on the edge. It's exciting, isn't it? And we really do believe in this vision, you know. Equipus Church was a, a, a small church in Mount Albert in 1987. Pastor Bruce went to a church... It had six retired pastors in it. I've got nothing against retired pastors, but I don't want six of them. The youth group was just the monk kids, the four of them, right? And the church was small. There was less than 50 people in the church then. But Pastor Bruce then had a vision to see 10 significant churches planted in 10 major cities around the world, Right? We're, we're, we're nearly, nearly there. There's three locations in London. There's Ber Berlin is going strong. Zurich is going strong. I think it's something exciting that we can be a part of, right? 
Um, what we're asking you to do. So how many people would like to know what we're asking you to do? Oh, we're asking, I'm asking Equipment Church Wellington to make four decisions in 2016. To make four decisions about how uh, you're going to outwork your Christianity and your faith as we do in community. Is that all right? Yeah, very cool. I think these are four decisions that if you can make these four decisions, it's going to, like I said before, it's going to push you into God. <clears throat> One of the things you learn after 10 years of being a pastor is you can't really help people. Uh, the, the old saying is you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I don't think it's true. I don't think you can lead a horse to water. I really don't think you can. You know, I've got the amazing Takia here on the second row. I like Takia. He's one of my favorite people in the world. He was in year 12 and 13 when he started coming to Equipper's youth. Youth, yeah. He was one of the South Auckland gangsters. I, and I can remember at a church barbecue after he'd finished year 13, it was a, it was a Tuesday Equipers College, was, Equipers College was starting on the Wednesday. And I said to Takia, what are you doing this year? You've finished school, what are you doing? And he gave that classic year 13 boy answer. His eyes glazed over and went slightly crossed. And he said, I don't know. I said, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., just come to Equipers College. Come to Bible College. And then just hearing last night the impact he's having in South Auckland schools. With, with the health program, yes, but he's, he's, he's meeting with all these kids Connecting with families and, and helping in a way that no one else can just because he's in their world. And, th and that, that's exciting, isn't it? You know, but it's, you know, it was, it's not his leaders or the pastors or anything like that. It's the simple fact that he's found God in his journey and that's led him from, I don't know what I'm going to do, to actually having an impact in a, in a community like you would never have imagined in year 13. Don't you reckon that's cool? Yeah, I reckon that's cool. Okay, here are the four things we want you to ask, that we, uh, decisions I want you to make this year. Number one, I want you to choose a mission. You know, the fact of the matter is that, uh, that the church, uh, as a church, we don't have a missions department. The church I grew up in we would have had a, a pin board somewhere with a map of the world, the USSR on it. <laughs> <laughs> other countries that no longer exist, uh, right? And, and there would have been photos, there would be photos of, you know, uh, missionaries with wool and pins. So we knew where the missionaries were and we would give some money to the church and we would give some money to the missionaries, right? And that's not a bad thing to do, right? But as a church, we've got a revelation. Our revelation is that we, we're not a church that has missions. We are a mission and we have a church. We are a mission. We're not here to do missions. We are the mission. We are the missionaries. We're, we're the ones who've been sent. We got sent where? We're the lucky people. We got sent to Wellington, the greatest city in the world, right? The most beautiful city in the world with the most wonderful weather at least one day a week. Right? We're here on a mission. If you're still, if you live in Wellington or if you live in Christchurch or wherever you travel from in Auckland, if you're alive and you live there, it's because God's got good works for you to do. Ephesians 2 said, we're recreated in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has called us to walk in. Now, the reason we want you to choose a mission, be it local, international, intergalactic, the reason we've chosen a mission, we're asking you to choose a mission, is when you go somewhere else, you come back with better vision. 
I want you to go on the mission trip to the Philippines so that when you come back, you reach Wellington the way they're reaching Manila. I'd like you to go to uh, uh, Equipus Tonga on a mission trip so that when you come back, you reach the community here like they're reaching the community there. I'd love it for some of us to be part of the team that goes to Nelson to help them launch over the first few weeks of the church in Nelson, February the 28th. You could take a weekend off, get on the boat, go across there, be part of the church for a week, serve, set up chairs, help them out, right? That'd be a good mission, wouldn't it? I'd love to do that so that when we launch Equippers in Porirua, there's more of us who've got a heart for breaking through and doing something new. When we reach outside of ourselves, we get a perspective on our own life. <clears throat> um, a, a trip to Kolkata will, will change the way you view everything. Money, personal hygiene, your diet. It will change everything about how you view the world because you've got to understand the whole world is not the same as New Zealand. In fact, it's all different. And some of us who have grown up in New Zealand particularly, we've got a very small view of the world. We think the ultimate thing would be to have a boat and a batch. And after that, we've got all the money we need. And we, so we work towards that. But we could actually have a bigger view, a bigger vision than that. That said, hey, I want my money to make a difference around the world. I want to make a difference around the world. I don't want to just live in a small way, right? Imagine if 80% of our church would take on a mission. Do you know, not just imagine, that's what we're aiming for. That's what we're believing for, the 80% of us. You, you know, if, if you've got a heavy traffic, traffic license, we need you to drive the truck for Revolution Tour. If you have a full license and a clean driving record, we need you to drive a van. If you're an old person, we need you to drive a van because we've, we've, we've had it up to here with young people driving vans, right? It's not going to happen anymore. We, we, there's enough old people. We don't need young people driving the vans. It's easier just to get an old person to drive the van rather than trying to teach a 25-year-old to stay awake at night, right? Just get someone, get someone who knows, pull over and have a sleep, you, you, you know. Let's learn this the easy way, right? Right? But there's some way where you can make a difference. You know, we, I'm doing a mission, mission this year. I'm doing a, a Halloween mission. I'm, going to re, I'm, going to, I'm taking over Halloween, right? If you're a ghost and ratty, right? I'm not scared of ghosts anyway, so I don't worry that much about Halloween, right? But I'm taking over Halloween because I reckon Halloween's quite good because all the neighborhood kids, kids come to my house asking for lollies, right? Pretty good opportunity. So I'm going to get a barbecue, put it in the front yard. They can have a sausage on bread as well. That way they'll stand there chatting for longer. And because, you know, in the modern world, you don't just send your kids out. Parents have to hover at the gate, right? So I can chat with the parents. I reckon I might be able to reach 50 people and connect with 50 people I don't know on my street by taking over Halloween. I reckon we could do that in all of our streets. I reckon in Christmas Church, well, we could take over Halloween and meet with, connect with thousands of people we don't already know simply by just getting more lollies, decorating the house, dressing up as a monster. Or I don't even need to dress up, right? It's going to be awesome, right? I'll just get out of bed. And I'll be like, right? That's going to be one of my missions to impact Thurley Grove, because I reckon God wants to win Thurley Grove Karori to Jesus. Amen? So everyone, choose a mission. Everyone say, choose a mission. Uh, number two, choose a mountain. I'm not talking Mount Victoria, or those of you who would choose Mount Cook, because you're already on top of it. All uh, right? <laughs> you don't know that. We're actually on a mountain here right now. But anyhow, let's not talk about that. Choose a mountain. You know, the, the, the world's not organized the way we think it is. It's actually organized in big spheres of influence. And some of the most obvious big spheres of influence is government, 
Uh, education's a big sphere of influence. And as a church group, we've sort of identified, or there's probably different ways you can organize that, but there's sort of nine areas in life where we think Christians need to be active and impacting and making a difference, right? So there's business, there's the family, there's our media, the arts and entertainment, the church. How many of you know the church needs people who know what they're doing? Right? Sports, health, government, I've already said, education. We could go over and over the list all again, but there's just nine, right? I've said three of them three times, but that's all right. But so I, I really believe this, that you're called primarily to one of those mountains. And maybe a couple of those spaces are things where you can begin to have an influence. Do you know, as an arrow in the quiver of God, God wants to fire you at one of those targets to make an impact and make a difference. You know, uh, Esther Elliott, I was talking to her the other day, and she's, she's grown up in church believing that she was called to be a preacher. And she's one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard, right? She's awesome. But she's really felt God speaking to her that she's called to have an impact in the whole area of arts and entertainment. Well, that's not news to me because I've known that since she was in, in high school, right? But she's feeling that, oh, no, there's this new call. And so everything's changing in mind that she's got this vision now to impact the world in that area. Do you know, I reckon every single one of us, we need to identify at least one of those mountains that we're going to begin to pray about, focus on, move towards and try and make a difference in. Do you know, um, if, you have a, if you have a job you hate and it's boring and it's just rah, 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 you're in the wrong job. It's actually not, it doesn't need to be like that. Do you, do you, have, a, do you have a job you hard, hard to get to and hard work to push yourself through? Do you know, uh, one of the, the amazing things about Emma Brown, as we will know, is, uh, it's been amazing watching her do all her psychology and PhD study all together, right? Uh, you know, the hours that people put in to do something like a PhD, uh, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? And I know for, for John and Emma, it's been a massive journey every, all, all, every spare minute of every day, all week, writing, thinking, rewriting, rethinking, research, going back, just massive process over years. How do you concentrate on something? Like, how do you, I, I, I can't watch the whole of a YouTube video. I just watch the 30, first 30 seconds now, right? I, I don't listen to a whole pop song anymore, you know, just once you get... You know, once you've heard the hook and the chorus, do you need to hear it again? No. Like, how do you concentrate for years and years on a PhD? Well, it's because you have vision. Because you can see a mountain that you know God's called you to. And, and if you're operating in a job without that sort of vision, I really challenge you to think about it. I have a friend who was in a training course at his work, like the, the work put on a training course. And one of the activities was, turn to the person next to you and tell them what you love about your job. So he turned to the person next to him. The person said what they love about their job, and he just said, I need to get another job. And you know what he did? He did. He just went and got another job. Right, because if, if you can't make a spiel about what you love about the position, the career, the space God's put you in, do you know what? There's a whole lot of other ones, and there'll be one that suits you better. And you could, if you want, just waste your whole life fumbling and bumbling through a dumb job. And I'm not talking about, oh, it's a dumb job because I don't like it and I've got a bad attitude. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you're in a job that just doesn't suit you, doesn't fit what God's made you to, do you know there is a space God's called you to, and it just, but it is a journey to find it. It's not like, I'm going to quit my job. No, it's a journey to find it, right? And it's a journey full of wisdom and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. That's why in, that's why in the next month we're tuning in to hear God. And I do believe God's going to speak to some people about retraining in a different career or focusing your life more in a way that makes an impact and makes a difference in the world. Amen? 
Everyone say, choose a mountain. Okay, we are going over time today, but I'm just choosing to blame it on the extra praise song. Okay. The last two things I can do quickly because I've already mentioned them. So, so number three is that we, we're asking everyone to choose an e-group. Choose a small group. And um, everything that I've read over the last couple of years about how people grow and how people change and how people move forward uh, has led me to the strong conclusion that people do not change by themselves. In isolation, uh, you will only become weirder. I have an uncle who... Um, who, what he used to do is he was a school teacher and uh, in the summer, so back in those days, he didn't do any work in the summer holidays as a school teacher. He's an older man. And so uh, once the kids left school, he would just go bush. In the South Island, he would take a bag of oats, a bag of flour, and a bag of salt, and he'd take his gun, and he'd go away. And, and, and then from whenever, December through to late January, he would just be in the bush. Sometimes he would go away, at one point he went away for six months in the bush, just with the, you know, the bits of, and just shot animals and ate them. Um, and, and he wrote a collection of poems. The reading of those poems makes me realize that people in isolation are weird. Right? People who would otherwise be almost normal, almost, he's my family, so he'd be almost normal, but put him in the bush for three months and, and let him write poetry and you'll get something that you don't want to hear, right? There's things come out. Of, and I want to tell you, you're just the same. By yourself, on your own, in your own little world, right? Things tend towards chaos. It's an irrefutable law. The second law of thermodynamics, if you just leave you, yourself on the shelf, if you withdraw yourself from connection with other Christians, and I mean actual connection, where you say what you need prayer for and you pray for other people's prayers and you might even have to confess some sins. We could do it here if you want, but I recommend doing that in a smaller group. Right, then you can at least can control the Facebook fallout. But come on, outside of a small group, I want to I say that I don't believe you will grow. I, I actually don't. I don't believe you'll grow if you're not in a small group. Right, And so you don't have to be in a small group, but I'm asking you, please choose a small group so that you can grow into the destiny that God's called you to. Because our nation needs you fired up. Our nation needs you set free. Our nation needs you filled with vision and breaking through in the area that God's called you to. Right? So choose a small group. Do you know, in um, John 13, Jesus says that he's given us a new commandment to love one another. And it's not that it's not that lovey dovey. Let's give everyone a hug at church. Let's sing kumbaya for an hour. It's actual real love where you're connected in each other's real worlds. And then Jesus said something else. He says it's because of when people see the love we have for each other. See, a lot of Christians will travel over the all over the world to show love to non Christians, and that's not. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Please understand, right? but they're reluctant to actually build a love relationship in their church community. But actually, Jesus said it's the love relationships, the real connections that we build in church that other people look at and say, ah, oh, God must be real because look at how that church operates. Do you know, I reckon people should come in here and they say, God must be real. Otherwise, why would there be Samoans and Maoris and the Sri Lankans and uh, Pakeha people all loving church all together? God must be real to bring all these disparate groups together. Why would Harris be such good friends with Dr. Dougal Sutherland of Victoria University? 
Well, how would they ever be friends other than the fact that God brings these, this diversity of people together? And, you know, Dr. Dougal Sutherland doesn't bless Harris with relationship. It's a mutual thing. All of us make each other greater. That's how relationship works. And so choose a small group. Everyone say, choose a mission. Choose a mountain. Choose a small group. And the last one, choose a team. As I always say, there's no me in team. Thanks, Emma. Anyhow, the real saying is there's no I in team. But anyhow. Um, do you know, you need, do you, do you know you, one of the things you need is you need a place to volunteer. Uh, you, you need a place of service. Observing... Jesus said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, so we think of great as in the great, I'm the greatest, my heart is the greatest, right? But it's not that. It's greatness in the kingdom is about significance and effectiveness and, and real connection. If you want to have a significant relationship with God, a significant connection with the kingdom of God, you must serve. That's what he said. You have to be the servant of everybody, right? And, and it's an interesting thought. Um, serving, that you actually need a place of serving. Do you know, uh, there are churches around the world that um, they just pay the pay each musician. Then you don't need a roster, do you? You just pay five people, a hundred bucks a week, and there's your, there's your music's done. Pay a sound man. Pay people to set up and pack down. You could, We could pay people to do the morning tea, couldn't we? We could pay someone to make the coffee. We, You know, you could pay for that. Right, but the reason we there's two reasons we don't pay. Number one is we don't have enough money to do that. That's one of the reasons, but that's not the real reason. The real reason is that's not church, because then we we don't have a place to serve. Right? Do you know um, how many people? Just show of hands. How many people live in a house? Show of hands. You live in a house. You live in a house, right? There's a few people we could help you out afterwards, find you somewhere to live, right? Um, how many people keep your hand in there if you live in a house and there's other people in it? Not just you, there's other people who live there too. How many people know that that's where the problems start? Right? If they weren't, if all them weren't there, how many people know the house would be tidy? Right? If they weren't there, the house would be tidy, the house, they'd always, they, you wouldn't run out of things because it would just be you using it, right? It would be nice and quiet when you wanted it quiet, right? But how many know that if there wasn't other people in the house, the house would be dumb? Right, come and visit me in my house by myself. <laughs> but come on, if, if you come around to our house, I guarantee you, I can't. If you come around to our house in, in Thurley Grove, I, I I can't guarantee the floor will have been vacuumed. Re- well, it will have been vacuumed recently. Like we vacuum once a day at least, sometimes twice, three times a day. I can't guarantee that someone hasn't just immediately come behind me as I was vacuuming and thrown food on the floor. Right. Right, we can't guarantee it'll be tidy, but I can guarantee if you come to our house, you will have a laugh. At some point, someone will do something ridiculous and you will laugh, right? Because it's a house full and it's, our house is overflowing. There's not enough space for all of the children. Uh, there's nowhere for them to go, so the kids make a lot of noise while the adults are trying to talk. And, and, and that's always happening, right? A house is supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be full of people and it's full of fun. But you know, my son, Elliot, he's 11 years old. When he got up this morning, he went downstairs, got the washing out of the washing machine that I'd put on last night and hung it on the line. Why? Because if you live in a house, 
You make a contribution to the house. Elliot doesn't deserve a gold medal. Right? He doesn't deserve a gold medal because that's just what you do, isn't it? If you live in the house, you contribute to the house and you bless other people around you. And everyone contributes. And then the house what? Functions, right? If, it's, if we left all of the housework and all of the cooking and cleaning to one person in the house, in our house, we would never be able to invite people over because there wouldn't have been groceries done because some, you know, there'd be washing everywhere, right? But if we all contribute, then we can be an open house that's embracing. And you know, church loses its ability to be open and embracing and well-resourced when we don't serve. When you don't choose a team, then the teams lack something that they would have otherwise, right? So we're we're challenging, I'm telling you, uh, I don't tell you much, but I'm telling you, right, to choose a team. Gone are the days, gone are the days where you go and do your job. Now, you know, I imagine sometime in the past, maybe my grandfather's era, you would go to work, dad would go to work. And would earn, bring home the bacon. Wouldn't dad, that's what dad would bring home, bacon. If mum would went to work, she'd come home with a more balanced diet. But dad would go to work and come, would bring home the bacon. And dad would come home, would sit down, put his feet up on one of those little TV poofs, read the newspaper at the same time as watching the TV. Have you ever seen your grandfather do that? They can do it, right? But those, that's, not the, that's, not, that's not how it works. Yeah, you don't spend your whole life at, in, in the church family, but we spend one day a week here. So in one day a week, come on, serve somewhere. Find a place of service. And then obviously, that's not everything you do. Please don't make that your whole life. If you make sitting in the chairs up here your whole life, you'll, you'll live a smaller life than you could, right? There's a whole world out there that you're called to make an impact and make a difference in. Is that all right? Romans 12 says that when we don't choose to serve, that we're thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. I'll just leave that with you. <laughs> I wonder, could we reverse that Pareto principle? I, I, I believe that. I, I, can you imagine if we could see that same sort of momentum that we saw in the early church of Acts chapter 2? I think if we did, if we t- went from being an 80-20 church to being an all church, where we all were on a mission, where we all were connected in relationship, where we all found a place of service, where we all found meaning in our everyday work. Come on, if you've got a job, do you know you're there five days a week? Out of seven days, you're at work for five days? You've got a responsibility in your life to fulfill God's purpose. If for five days you're wasting time in a job that's not part of your purpose, and then for two days of the week you're taking a day off and you're relaxing, and then you come to church and maybe you serve God there. But if your work is not serving God, come on, find a way, find a place to work where you can serve God. Amen? So we're choosing what? We're choosing a mission, choosing a, choosing a, Choosing and okay, I think we'd said mountain, uh, <laughs> mission mountain e group and e team. Is that all right? Uh, I, make, I don't know. Everywhere I go, I create some just a little bit of confusion. Uh, it's not my intention. It's just always is there somewhere, right? Awesome. Imagine if imagine if Equipus Church Wellington and its impact was limited to Jordan Smith's capacity. That would be a horror story, wouldn't it? But come on, as, if we can go from 80, 
from an 80-20 church to being an all church where we're all in. Do you know what I mean? Then we lift the limits off our ability to impact our city. We really do then see a much a greater than God, a limitless God, are released in our city. Amen. Let's pray. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let's pray together. Is that all right? Lift your hands. Let's let's honor God by lifting our hands and worship, and let's pray. Uh, maybe you want to maybe you want to pray into into this month. Maybe you want to pray into what God's speaking to you. Maybe you want to even begin right now to say, God, I'm tuning in in February. Lord, I pray right now across uh, this congregation as we lift our voices in prayer, as we reach out to you. Lord God, we know that we serve a God who loves us. We serve a God who speaks to us. We serve a God who serves and, and uh, who leads us and who loves us. And Lord, I pray for each and every person here this morning. I pray that this morning vision will have captured our heart. Lord God, that we wouldn't go away from here and just carry on in our everyday life, but that we'd truly tune into you, Lord God, that this month, Lord God, uh, in February, Lord God, that we'd tune in, Lord God, you begin to speak, that this year we'd begin to move more and more into purpose, that we'd begin to live more and more out of the vision and the plan that you have for our life. Lord God, I just pray, particularly for people in, I just really feel that people who are in, 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 a, in a career space or a job space that feels maybe, maybe not like a dead end street. Maybe it's a great job. Maybe it's a great career, but it feels to you that it's just not the purpose of God. If that's you, I just want to pray. Maybe you want to lift your hands and just respond in your heart. Say, yeah, God, would you do something in me? Lord, I just pray, God, for these. Lord God, in, in that space, Lord, I pray you would speak so clearly. Lord, I pray that vision would come. Lord God, even though sometimes it's a journey through uh, a lack of clarity or you have to journey through a, a bit of confusion. Lord, I just pray that in the journey, Lord God, that you would lead, Lord, those who are responding now. Lord God, I just thank you for the promise that you know the plans you have for us and their plans for good and to prosper us. And Lord God, that you position us by your grace in a sweet spot. And so Holy Spirit, we pray you, you'd begin to lead. Lord God, you'd lead us and you'd guide us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, right across our church that we'd be people positioned in the city where you would have us. Lord God, where we can fulfill the purposes that you have for us. In Jesus' name.